Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. It is 12.33 in Edmonton. Brendan Escott in on Oilers Now all week, along with Cody Jansen on the other side of the glass. Guests of the show receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. It's the greatest steak you've ever had. Edmonton owned and operated. Open Wednesday through Sunday, 5 p.m. until close. Head on down to 9990 Jasper Avenue and tell Brendan, Maggie, Taylor, and the staff at Roos Chris that Oilers now sent you. All right, excited to get uh, Brian Lawton's perspective on a couple things, particularly the news that just broke as we went on air this afternoon. Brian Lawton is our headliner today, brought to you by touchback safety renew your safety tickets today and get 15 percent off your course with promo code training 2020 at touchbacksafety.com brian appreciate you taking some time how are you doing today doing fantastic brennan how are you i'm doing very well uh excited to talk to you because you've been of course a player and a gm and an agent and i really would like to get your thoughts on uh, news that broke to begin the weekend um alan walsh's tweets just your take on uh, on i guess maybe what they were trying to do there like what were your thoughts when you initially saw that all right well full disclosure i hired alan obviously at, mm-hmm. at octagon when i used to manage octagon hockey uh alan is a great guy he totally cares about his players. Uh, I don't think there's anybody in the business that stands up more for him, for them, than he does. I felt like it was out of bounds, though. I really did. It was just a little bit over the top. Um, it put Mark in a bad position. I have called my old firm. I haven't dove into it as much as I would like to, but... Uh, my number one question that I'd say most people want to know is, was Mark available, or excuse me, was he in the know as to what was happening? And I still haven't got an answer to that. Uh, if Alan did it on his own, I would be very surprised. He really works closely with his players. So that's a little bit concerning because Mark andre Fleury, in my opinion, has one of the strongest, if not the strongest, reputations in the game as being a team guy. And this did not come off with that flavor. Um, I spent a lot of time with Mark 
when San Jose and Pittsburgh played in the finals, just running into them at games, and Matt Murray was was in the lead at that time, really running with things for Pittsburgh. And Mark was as selfless a guy as I've ever seen. So this just seemed out of character, uh, but I didn't like it. Uh, and it doesn't matter if I used to run that firm or not. I didn't like it in any way, shape, or form. Not the first time we've seen that sort of tactic, if you think back to Jonathan Drouin and his uh, conundrum there a few years ago. But the timing of it, of course, is I think what um, really strikes me as... It's a good thing that Robin Leonard and Fleury seem to have a good functioning relationship because at this time in the playoffs, you as a team have to think you've got to be kidding me, right? Yeah, I mean, Mark is so tight with the players on that team and he's earned their respect. Um, But you still got to think it would have raised a few eyebrows. Uh, Personally, you know, as an even stranger aside, I really thought that Mark probably deserved more of an opportunity there to play. And uh, that wasn't happening. Robin Lehner came in. He's played very well. I don't question that at all. But uh, loyalty, accountability, things like that, they matter to players. And they watch that stuff closely. Players don't expect everybody to be treated exactly the same. That's not what I'm saying but they need to know that there's a fair level of accountability. And I thought that Mark maybe had earned another game or two up to this point to have played. Uh, He certainly played spectacular his last outing and showed where his game is at. Um, So when I look at the totality of it, I didn't like it, uh, but I also didn't like the way some things were handled there, to be honest with you. Yeah, and fair enough. You know, they've got two very capable goaltenders and they knew what they were getting themselves into at the trade deadline in that sense as well. Uh, It was suggested to me that just, and to put one final bow on this, I mean, Peter DeBoer as a coach, favoring bigger goaltenders might have something to do with this and so be it. But, um, you know, I think that this in some senses, Brian, might drive the value of Flurry down on the trade market in the sense that now, I mean, you've got a $7 million contract and what appears to be a bit of a disgruntled situation there as a backup. And, and if you want Leonard back, you're going to be spending an awful lot of money on goaltending. I don't think you can have them both, you know, so it's uh, it's certainly, in my I, I, opinion, highly but, unlikely. Yeah, exactly. So highly it's, unlikely, Brendan, to have them both back, but also not a done deal that they would want to trademark and you know there's robin is a guy that you know he's really kind of put his you know what on the line the last couple of years he hasn't had a lot of choice but taking short-term deals um and he's performed and at some point even in these weirdest of times with COVID 19 and salary cap flat someone's going to reward him with a longer term contract uh, what that final number is, you know, that's going to be a challenge because I think most players are going to find it a really difficult, unrestricted market this summer. So that may force, and I believe it will, a lot of players to say, let's just get through this time. You're Taylor Hall. Let's just do a one-year deal. You're Robin Lehner. Let's just do a one-year deal. You're Jacob Markstrom probably not going to do a one-year deal with Vancouver. (laughs) So you have to take it with a grain of salt. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be a very, very unique market. And I like to say this summer, it really won't be this summer. It'll be this fall 
Yeah, more like November-ish uh, for free agent frenzy and that sort of thing. Um, we'll get to the Leafs and Penguins swap with respect to a crazy offseason on the horizon. But uh, just before we went on the air today, Arizona's punishment came down for the illegal uh, pre-combine testing of some of these prospects. Brian, it's going to cost them a second-round pick this year, a first-round pick next year. Do you think that the punishment uh, sort of fits the crime there? What, what do you make of that? I'm a little surprised that uh, it's that steep. I really thought it would be two second-round picks. Um, honestly, uh, I really, truly felt it would be that. I felt that everything that's gone on there in terms of John Chica, I felt like a lot of that stuff was a red herring. That's just my initial gut reaction. I don't know what the final outcome will be. I know some of the things that were happening in real time were proposed to me in terms of uh, different offers and things like that. It didn't make a lot of sense to me. And I say that because initially I'd heard that John had a chance to leave and he had a chance to go to do something else, a much bigger job, uh, dream job type scenario. And Every general manager in the National Hockey League can leave any time they want to go manage some other business. That's not in hockey. There's nothing that prohibits anything from leaving to do that. You can't go and work for another team. So as it kind of came to me, the information, it just didn't feel right. The answer is that's just my initial opinion from having heard it. It hasn't changed because I haven't seen anything materialize. And I thought that general manager not being left there anymore would probably be enough to satisfy people around the league. Whereas a statement, you could say, you know what, fellas, it's worse than you think. If you get caught cheating, we're not just going to fine you. We're not just going to take away draft picks. You're going to lose your job. And I guess in my mind, I'd surmise that that would probably be the majority of the punishment, and I felt like that would be really powerful. GMs do not like to lose their jobs, not by any action they're doing. Um, but in the end, that's not exactly the way it came down. A person did essentially leave their job. Uh, I'm unclear on the exact details of that. That's what I'm saying to all the listeners out there. Hopefully we'll find out the, the final, final truth on that. But a, a second and a first feels pretty heavy to me. Interesting. And, you know, like the, the rest of their prospect pipeline, Brian, is not exactly beaming with young rising talent. So uh, Arizona might be, uh, they, they're going to have their work cut out for them, whoever ends up taking the GM reins long term there. Let's talk about the trade that happened yesterday morning as we're joined by Brian Lawton from the NHL Network. It's Brendan Escott in today on Oilers Now. Essentially, Brian, we know the trade broke down more or less for a couple of prospects and a first-round pick, the 15th overall pick, going to Toronto for Kasperi Kapanen and a couple other pieces. Um, wow, is all I can say. If a third-line-ish, maybe a swing second-line, you know, penalty-killing winger is fetching a first-round draft pick, that caught me by surprise, and I'm wondering what you think that might mean for the rest of the market moving forward. I think that between that trade, Blake Coleman, Barclay Goodrow, I think that we're seeing some people really de trying to design their roster out to get other skills that maybe we haven't associated with players that get traded for a first-round pick. 
Obviously, in Tampa, you know, they wanted more grit. And they got that with Coleman and Goodrow. And it's yet to be determined if that pays off. But those are high prices to pay. Tampa had an extra first, to be fair to them, so they had a little more wiggle room. Now we see Kasperi Kapanen. Essentially, you're saying the same thing. I would tell you from Pittsburgh's perspective, they're feeling very confident he's going to be a top six forward for them. But it's not as guaranteed as people are being forced to take more risk in these types of deals. I think it makes the game more interesting. I love it. Toronto has some luxuries that they just can't afford. So I guess this one surprised me a little bit that Pittsburgh maybe wasn't a little more patient and maybe see what happens, what shakes out from there. But uh, I love it that both teams are, are really willing to step up and make some moves that have some serious risk and serious reward. There's no doubt that creating cap space is more valuable than ever. That cat is out of the bag. And there's no doubt that picking up a player that you think can play in your top six that's at a reasonable price is at more of a premium than we've ever seen in the past as well. We'll see who's right or wrong on that one. It indicates to me that they liked what they saw out of Nick Robertson and they believe that he will be with them from the start of next season. I think that made Kapanen expendable and by virtue of that made $3.2 million in cap room that they desperately needed, Brian, also expendable. So it seems to make sense on that front. And then, you know, if you're asking me if I'd rather have Kasperi Kapanen or whomever they select at 15 in a deep draft for Toronto, that's, I might lean towards the first round pick, but as you said, only time is really going to tell on that front um what does that necessarily mean if anything for you know either pittsburgh or toronto as a trade partner for the oilers because i know that as far as ken holland was looking uh, from what i've heard at toronto it's can we send a gritty right shot cycle busting defenseman to you guys and pick up one of your depth uh, wingers like a mikhayev or a kerfoot or or a kapanen um but also there's a need for goaltending and the other part of that would be either Jari and Murray in Pittsburgh so um, if you're Ken Holland and I know that you are on pretty good terms with that man uh, what, what do you think about uh, what the market looks like after yesterday's trade for his needs well I, I think we're seeing a really shifting market in terms of everybody wants to always go off the past history we wanted to do that forever we go back to you know when star players would trade it was the first you know, a B prospect and, a, and another pick or player. And, you know, that held up for a really long time. People kind of stuck to it. But now it's the Wild West, in my opinion. And if you're really pounding the phone lines and you're aggressive, you're just going to find some inequities. And, and a guy like Ken Holland's going to eat a market like that up, in my opinion. Got a really good feel for not only his own players, but other teams' players. And when he sees those inequities, and it may take months from now for that to happen, but when he sees it, I have no doubt he's going to strike. He does have a plethora of defensemen any way you slice it. When you look at the Edmonton Oilers and what they have in the cupboard, a position that hasn't been a strong point for them soon will be. So they're going to be doing a little bit of what Toronto's doing, and that's projecting out and saying, could a Bouchard or a Broberg replace maybe somebody we've already got on the roster that's at full value in terms of what are their what they're being paid 
So can we drop down from a guy that's maybe making $4 million and replace him with more of an entry-level guy that we think has the ability to step in and give us a close, maybe not the same, but a close effectiveness? We're seeing what That'll a difference. Be very interesting. Well, Brian, if you look, and I know that we're not talking about the same caliber of player as a Heiskanen or a Makar or a Hughes, but you know, we brought this up yesterday with with Mark Spector. If you're talking about maybe packaging a Broberg or a Bouchard up to get something else or help supplement the forward depth, you're really sacrificing an opportunity to have a young, cheap defenseman for a period of time. And we're seeing how important that is to other teams around the league, you know? So I don't necessarily know that a guy like Broberg has the same ceiling as a Merrill Heiskanen, but you can see the value of that type of prospect within a franchise more so than ever right now. Oh, yeah, you absolutely can. And, and if that happens for the Oilers, if Ken Holland selects that route, he's going to be making a really, really strong call, particularly for defensemen. Even when these guys start pe- playing, they still need 180 games, in my opinion, before you really know what you have. And it's different for the Haskins and Hughes and McCars, guys like that. You know what you have there and 30, 40, 50 games. But if you look at a Pulak or a Pellick, these guys were in the minors. It felt like forever for the New York Islanders mm-hmm. before they burst on the scene. And all of a sudden, you know, these guys are incredibly valuable. They could have been moved way before other teams would have been delighted to take that risk. Uh, I don't see Ken Holland doing that. He certainly could. He'd have to really see something that he didn't like about some of his young upcoming geeks. He's got some some good ones. Bouchard and Broberg in particular, they obviously stand out. Are one of them going to be Ethan Bear-like? And uh, I'd be surprised if he'd move those guys. I really would. I wouldn't be surprised if some of the veteran decor got moved, though. That would not shock me. As a matter of fact, I expect, in my opinion, that we'll, we won't see two of the guys next year that played top four this year. I have no knowledge of that. That's just my opinion. Oh, Brian Lawton from the NHL Network saying two of the names we're familiar with might be on the move. We know it's going to be right across the NHL, but definitely here in Edmonton, a very uh, noteworthy offseason, to say the least. In Florida, Brian, there's a GM vacancy, and as I understand it, one of your co-workers right now is one of the candidates for that job. I'm wondering what you're hearing about maybe Kevin Weeks there or any other opportunities down in Florida for the Panthers GM vacancy. Well, I've worked with Kevin for a number of years, and he is exceptional a human being, as I know. Uh, I think he'd be tremendous at that, or even the president presidency of a club of hockey operations. Uh, Kevin knows this game. He's sharp. He's aggressive. He's more new school than old school. Uh, I think it would be incredible if he were to get that job. I really do. He's just a quality person. And a lot of times you see this with all kinds of people on the media side, but even in the GM spot, Ken Holland, former goalie, Jim Rutherford, former goalie. Uh, think of how great John Davidson, another former goalie, not only great working for a club, but also great working on the media side. It's just a, I love talking to the goalies because they have a completely different perspective 
and the forwards and D on things, and a lot of times it's really enlightening. Isn't it amazing, Brian? And you think about, say, baseball, for example, and a lot of the managers, former catchers, or even in soccer, uh, same thing, former goaltenders. I guess it's just the way that you are, observe the game from your position, right? It kind of gives you an enhanced ability to see things that others may not see. Um, let's end with this. I, I've been talking about this all week. I mean, Todd Reardon out in Washington. I don't think that I'm going to call this the Oilers model because they had plenty of failed experiments all along the way. But there's a lot of very intriguing names out there for Washington for a team that doesn't necessarily have all that long left with their core. Um, do you have anybody in mind that you think may be a front runner for that job? And and how do you feel about the fact that they they really they should have just paid Barry Trotz, Brian? They should have just paid him because that would have avoided the situation that they're in right now. Uh, I think this is a recognition, you know, by the organization that that was a mistake. It happens. Uh, now they got to figure out how do they move forward. For me, there's three guys that they should be zeroing in on, and I believe they are. One is Mike Babcock. That may surprise a lot of people, but uh, Mike still can bring it. And there's a lot of cachet there, and he knows how to work with star players. We know that. The other one for me would be Gerard Gallant. I just think that this guy is as universally liked by players as any coach I've ever known. That's his strong part. So then if they really wanted a veteran guy that I probably would feel the most confident in personally, and it may be because I know him the best, it would be Peter Lavalette. Uh, he's just, he, he's got to hit, you, you know what you're going to get with Peter. He's going to kind of hit it down the middle in terms of his style of managing the room and stuff, but he's, he's very good at aligning himself with veteran players and doing what Gallant does well, and Babs for that matter. All these guys can hold star players accountable. And this year, if there's been some criticism of the Washington Capitals, even in talking to some players and, and people around there, I'm not sure that was the case. And I think that really hurt him in the end. It's really hurt him for two years now. And, uh, it's a shame because Todd Reardon's a terrific guy. He's an upcoming guy, and he's trying to break out of the mold of just being an assistant coach. This didn't go well, but he shouldn't lose faith because it didn't go very well for one of the best coaches in the league right now when he started, and that was Bruce Cassidy of the Boston Bruins. And you think about the other guys like Adam Oates, I believe they had in there, and it didn't work for Washington either. So he's not alone in that sense. It might be more of a fickle group to try and and uh, negotiate than people give credit to. Brian, thank you so much for your time today. All the best. We'll chat next week. My pleasure. Thank you. That is Brian Lawton from the NHL Network. Let's take a quick time out on Oilers Now, back with the James H. Brown Injury Report. 12.56 in Edmonton. Let's get to it. The Injury Report brought to you by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Cody. Hello. <laughs> Oops. Yeah, so um, let's stick in town or in uh, St. Louis. Sorry, Vladimir Tarasenko. He's going to have to get his shoulder surgery once again. Won't be evaluated for five months. That's going to drag into next season. Sticking with some of the games from tonight, Tampa Bay. Ryan McDonough out again. Second straight game for him. No Steven Stamkos as well. Uh, according to Avalanche coach Jared Bednar, this is a little bit shocking, but Philip Grubauer and Eric Johnson likely won't be back before the end of the 2020 playoffs. That hurts. 
As for the Dallas Stars, both Ben Bishop and Stephen Jones still listed as day-to-day could be game time decisions. I guess we're going to have to find out, but they seem to be doing all right without them. Yeah, no kidding. Again, we were talking off the top of the show about the contributions of, of uh, you know, an Anton Hudobin and that. But hey, um, is Francois the guy to get them out of this series? Boy, uh, they better protect him because I, I know that Corey Perry is going to try and go get in his kitchen as much as he can. We saw Dallas flip the game that way. You know, I, I don't think that. Uh, who are we talking with? Speck yesterday said he he disagrees that they uh, they pooched that call, that slashing call. I disagree. I think Francois is, he, he's got some really good attributes. And what people forget is that the top two KHL goaltenders when Colorado and Edmonton were searching were Koskinen and Francois. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Colorado kind of went with the choice of, hey, this guy played on a worse team, might be a better fit. And I think he's got some really good attributes and his rebound control's pretty good. But as soon as things get in tight or Dallas thrives, that's where he seems to struggle and that's where they seem to have exposed him. Do you have, do you put any stock into the fact that he's a southpaw goaltender? Does that make a difference at all to shooters, do you think? 100%. Look at how many southpaw goaltenders have been a starter in the NHL for five plus years. It's a very rare occurrence. And in the past 20 years, who has been a successful southpaw goaltender for a long stretch of time? Just doesn't happen. Yeah, interesting. Interesting to think about. Steve Mason is the only other one off the top of my head that uh, has served any significance in the last stretch. Okay, David Staples coming up on the other side of a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. We'll talk uh, what Tippett did right, what Tippett did wrong, a little bit about COVID, and certainly about what the Oilers are going to be exploring on the open market this offseason. Brendan Escott in all week on Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.